If you will, at this time, turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 7. And this message just goes right along uh, for the graduates today. But it's not just for graduates. It is for everyone. Because, you see, every person has a source or multiple sources of authority that shapes their worldview, shapes who they are. This, this authority influences how we think, how we act, and how we live. It, even, it may even determine how some people die. Norman Gessler ac accurately said this, The truth is that a worldview is like colored glasses. It colors everything at which we look. It is a grid through which one views all of life. As such, it helps form our thoughts, values, and decisions. The tragedy is that most people do not even know what their worldview is how they got it, and how important it is in their lives. How we get our worldview comes back to this issue of what authority we're following. And although it's, it is possible to expand this study with a more in-depth and sophisticated look at this issue, the sources of authority that mold and shape our decision-making and way of life can be boiled down to a few things. To four, reason, which is how we think, experience is I feel, Tradition, I have always done, and revelation, God says in his word. One or more of these authorities will govern how we live, will govern how we live. We're going to grant the ultimate authority in our lives to the source that we believe provides reliable knowledge and wisdom for life's decisions. James, the half-brother of Jesus in James chapter 3, he helpfully contrasted the two types of wisdom. He said, there's a wisdom from above that comes from God, and then there's a wisdom from below that comes from man and even sometimes Satan. And he defined the wisdom from above as good conduct, meekness, being pure, being peaceable, being gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, full of good fruits, impartial, sincere, producing a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by peacemakers. And then he, he defines the wisdom from below as bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, boastings, lies, being earthly, being unspiritual, being demonic, causing disorder. And then he says, and every other vile practice. But James isn't the only person to simplify life in this twofold manner. In fact, Jesus did it first, and we're going to see that in our text today in Matthew chapter 7. And James probably got his insights from Jesus' teachings here on the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look and we're going to start reading in verse 24. And if you will, please stand in honor of reading God's word this morning. Starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet, it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and it collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching, like, uh, teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. 
Lord, I just pray now at this time that you would teach us what your word says about the two foundations. Lord, that you would teach us about wisdom and about foolishness. That you would help us to see that your ways and your will for our lives are always going to be better than our own. Lord, we just love you and just move me out of the way. Speak through me, through your Holy Spirit, Lord. And just help us to be encouraged by this and to take this and uh, apply it to our hearts, Lord. We love you and we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the first thing that we need to remember, according to this text, is we need to build your life, build your life on the strong foundation of God's word. See, Jesus here is telling a story of two men who built what would appear to be two similar houses. The only difference was the foundation. One man wisely chose to build his house on a rock, which was the solid foundation. The other foolishly chose to build his house on sand, which was the shifting foundation. And the end results could not have been more different. Everything may have looked similar on the outside, but the end results were totally different. In both instances, the story points to how one responds to the words of Jesus because he said here, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, now in context, this was the Sermon on the Mount, but we know that this could apply to all the words of Jesus, right? So to be wise, we need to know the word and obey the word. Because Jesus here, he notes the two qualities of the wise man. First, he's hearing the words of Christ. And then secondly, he does them. He doesn't just simply obey or, or simply just hear and then not do anything with the words. He hears the word and then does something about it and obeys the word. And this is very similar to James chapter 1 verses 20 through, 22 through 25, right? It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. James here is saying, if you're just going to be a hearer and not a doer, you're deceiving yourselves. You're, it's like you're looking at a mirror, you see a big black streak on your face, and you walk away and do nothing about it. How many of you would do that? You'd go and you'd walk and you'd get in front of a mirror, you'd see a big, just, uh, you know, big something on your complexion, and then don't do anything about it. Of course we don't do that. We, if there's something wrong in our, on our face, we're going to make the correction. And that's how it should be with the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God and we listen to it, and we, we should apply it to our hearts and begin obeying the word of God. To, so to hear God's word and then obey is like a wise home builder who constructs his house on rock solid foundation. But here's, here's the interesting point. Why, why is he called wise here? Because there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming and this man is ready. Now, I know that we all have like storms of life, you know, hard things that we face, whether it be sicknesses or a loss of a family member or uh, financial woes or, or whatever may be going on in your life. Those are storms of life, but this storm is more serious. And, and graduates and everyone that's here today, understand this. This is what I want you to understand, that this is a very serious thing. We don't need to play around with it, okay? This storm is super serious, extreme seriousness, 
Because in this context, it's referring to the future judgment of God. The future judgment of God. And so we must ask ourselves, are we wise? Each and every one of us will stand before God one day. Will we have God on our side or will he be against us? Are we ready for the coming judgment? Are we hearing the word and then choosing to be radically obedient? Because this basic theological truth runs all throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation brings responsibility. The more you hear and know of God and his word, the greater is your responsibility when you stand before him in judgment. Those who are wise will both hear his word and obey his word. So that when the storm of judgment comes, their house will not collapse. It will not fall over. It will stand firm because its foundation was on the rock. Hymn writer John Rapon got it exactly right. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. When we, when we trust his word and what it says, it is a firm foundation that's going to give us assurance in the judgment. We can be sure of his word. We can stand on it. We can put our faith in it because in it are the promises of God that assure us of our salvation, promise us the righteousness of Christ, and comfort us in judgment, as I just said. Our house will not collapse if we remain radically obedient to his words. However, if we want to be fools, we will know the word and disobey the word. There's an unfortunate contrast that we see here between verses 24 and 25 to 26 and 27. Jesus calls this man a foolish man. And at first glance, you may think, well, why? There doesn't seem to appear to be any differences between the two. John MacArthur notes at least four similarities between the wise man and the foolish man. Listen closely. Both builders heard the gospel, the same sermon, the words of Christ, both proceed to build a house after hear, having heard the same message. And both apparently built their houses in the same general location. And both built houses that were similar, at least on the outside. The difference is their foundation. The difference is what they are putting their foundation, or what they're building upon, their, which is their obedience to the word. The foolish man here hears the words of Christ but does not act on them. He's a hearer only and he's deceiving himself. He is the person who hears faithful gospel preaching week after week but never changes. He hears the word again and again but never obeys. Perhaps like some of you graduates, he, he goes and he gets a master's or a doctoral degree to teach the Bible but he's never transformed and made new. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are made new. He thinks that because he has a form of godliness that he's safe. But in actuality, he is headed toward a horrible and eternal destruction. When his foundation is not on the rock. Not obedient to the word. Building on sand means that we hear the word and we disobey it. It's foolishness. It makes us fools. If you build on sand by being disobedient to the gospel, judgment day arrives like a terrible storm. And when it does, your house will fall. It will collapse. And as the King James says, great will be the fall of it. Great will be the fall of it. And Jesus warns his listeners here. 
by saying, you deceived yourselves into thinking that you will be ready, but you're not. You thought that listening was enough. You thought that superficial allegiance and casual and comfortable Christianity would suffice, but on that day, you will discover that you were wrong. And so the second thing to remember is this, graduates, church, we need to listen to the teaching of the Son of God, not the wisdom of men. Sinclair Ferguson said this, Jesus did not preach the Sermon on the Mount in order to be admired for his preaching skills. He preached it to produce obedience. And verses 28 and 29, it summarized the crowd's response here. It said, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the, crowd were, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. But the sad thing is, is that there's no word or indication of the listeners being wise obeyers to the teachings of Jesus. We don't know that from the passage. The, the response of the crowds, I fear, like many others, is more superficial than real. It's only skin deep. The heart, at least for many of these people, I, I'm afraid it was unchanged. And listen very closely to me this morning. There is no greater tragedy than for someone to meet Jesus hear his words, and walk away astonished and amazed, but still unchanged. That is a great tragedy. In the message, Eugene Peterson colorfully uh, paraphrased this passage. He said, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowds burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. And I'm afraid that many of us, many people in churches all across our country, today they hear the words of Jesus and they're good words. And they're happy and they applaud and they're astonished and amazed and yet they leave with unchanged hearts. They walk out of the building with unchanged hearts. It's as if they hear but it goes in one ear and out the other. There's no obedience. And church, we can't be this way. Graduates, as you go out and you live your life, you can't be this way. Trust God's word. Obey God's word. Read what it says and trust that it is true. And it is only for the best for your life. Jesus and God wants the best for your life. And, and his best is obeying what he has commanded. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit for a reason. We've been given the Spirit to empower us to be obedient to his words, not just ignore them. The crowds also noticed the authority of Jesus. Wow, he's different. He's, he's so much different than the, the scribes and the Pharisees. He has authority in what he says. He taught differently than the religious leaders of that day. To validate their doctrine, they would have to appeal to the authority of their esteemed and respected uh, rabbinic pre predecessors. But Jesus, however, his authority resided in himself. This Jesus is unlike any other teacher who has gone before him or any other teacher who will come after him. His authority resides in him alone, himself. So we must be diligent. We must be diligent then to listen to the words of the Son of God, Jesus, rather than the wisdom of men. And this authority, this authority is pretty important too. It's noted here in this sermon but it's also a prominent theme of the gospel as a whole. In fact, it's what drives the Great Commission. It's what drives us going out and being on mission. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, He came near to him, near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That same authority that the crowds were astonished about in Matthew chapter 7 is the same authority that Jesus has when he tells us to go. When we go, when we go out and we are on mission, we're not alone. Jesus is with us. He is there and he is, all authority has been given to him. And so we can go in confidence knowing that he's already went before us. So truth is, the crowds were right. No man ever spoke like this man. No man ever taught with the authority of this man. And no man ever lived like this man, died like this man, or rose from the dead like this man. And those who are wise hear his words and obey them. The fool hears them and rejects them. The wise will stand on the solid rock at the judgment. Christ will be at your side. He is your foundation. He will stand there with you in judgment and say, Father, they are mine. The fool will only experience a tragic and great fall. That's sad. I don't want to see any of us here this morning be fools. I don't want to see any of you graduates be fools. I want you to be wise. I want all of us to take a stand on the firm foundation of God's word and be radically obedient to what it says. Not just walk out with, with unchanged lives, but be radically obedient to the words of Jesus. So as I wrap up, I just want to encourage you to be wise. Not, do not be fools. And if you're here this morning and you've never experienced the life that Christ can give you, know that he is available all that you have to do is call upon him and believe on his name. Turn from your sin. Accept him. Believe upon his name. And you will be saved. That's all it takes. But we need to understand that if we do not accept him, we will be like that foolish man. We will be like that foolish man who is awaiting judgment with nobody at our side. This morning, Jesus wants to be by your side. He wants to be that one that walks through life with you and walks to the, through the afterlife with you, into eternal life with you. That is what Jesus wants to do this morning. And if you've never uh, repented and believed in the gospel, let this morning be that morning. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. God, if there is anyone here that needs to repent and believe in the gospel this morning, I pray that you would just speak to them, that they would come forward and they would choose to, to do so. Lord, I pray for all of us, including myself, Lord, help us to apply this word to our hearts, that we would stand on the firm foundation of your word. Your word was given to us as a, um, as a help through life to show us how we should live and walk. And Lord, we are so thankful that you, you've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us and, and enable us to live out what your word commands. We are so thankful, and we love you, and we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.